On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we talk with Raina Guest about the characteristics of a controlling personality, the signs of a possessive partner, and types of controlling behavior. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. With me today, I have the return of a former Survivor Story guest. It's Raina, everyone. How are you? Hey, I am great, Brandon. Thanks for uh, having me back. It's been a while. So for those of you that don't remember Raina, when were you on the show? It's been a oh my gosh. It was probably... Um... Almost two, two years, years ago. ago. Yeah, it was like, it was right after, you know, lockdown was heavy, heavy lockdown. And I did not know you then at all. I think I knew you for about a week. Yeah. So we knew nothing about each other. And right now we're sitting across from each other yeah. in real life. We yeah. know each other from the coffee shop from below mm. the building. Yeah. And... So my first time talking to you was a serious conversation. It's it's odd to now know you now when I knew too much about you to to begin with. We went in we went in deep, so to speak, right away. <laughs> we did. <laughs> you and, know what? Just just get it all out there right away, right from day one. You know. And to give an update about your life and your story, since there was actually an incident that happened where I was there. <laughs> Okay, we're going to talk about this. Yeah, because, you know, that's an interesting thing that a lot of people have to deal with, yeah. which is when you haven't seen the the toxic person that was in your life, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, randomly one day... Fate just walks in the door, and then... Uh, they and, just and appear. Not always in the best way. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it was a... Sunny day on the Bathurst Strip. Was it sunny? I felt like it was cold and rainy. But anyway, maybe what? that was just the uh, the backdrop of the situation that made it feel that way. No, it was it was sunny that day, and was we okay. and we were sitting on the bench outside yeah. of the coffee shop, yeah. and I'm talking to you, and then all of a sudden, it was like I saw a ghost. Yeah, you stop and. Yeah, so we were we were sitting there and just you know shooting the ish um, and uh, having a nice little chat, and uh, you know traffic starts to sort of back up from from the the traffic light, and I kind of look in front of me and I'm looking through the um, the passenger window of the car that just happens to have pulled up in front of the coffee shop, and uh, you know some of these windows are tinted nowadays and you can't quite see through but I managed to kind of squint my eyes enough that I could focus in on who was there and uh the whole silhouette of this person started to become clearer and uh I it, I think my I think my heart just about stopped or um started beating out of my chest and I kind of um spoke through the side of my mouth to to Brandon uh and just said that's the guy from the podcast. <laughs> and, uh, and he kind of, you know, he kind of was like, what? Holy crap. And then my, uh, my ex who was in the car, he, um, rolled down the window and, uh, and he said, 
he said my old nickname to me through through the window, which really, really irked me because um, I'm going, you know, we haven't been together for, for a year or two now. And um, that was something that he called me, you know, when we were, when things were good, you know, that was his nickname for me. And it really, I was kind of like, you know what, you're you're not allowed to call me that anymore. And we had this very weird exchange through the window. You know, he's trying to ask me how I'm doing and I'm, you know, I'm being all bitchy and like, don't, you know, I'm trying to dismiss his, you know, his, his, his questions. I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, what's, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, cause you were the person that was sitting in front of me was gone. Like you were, a complete, your body language was changed. Uh, your whole demeanor was a completely different person. I still didn't realize I'm slow and I still didn't realize the gravity Very quick. Like, even though it felt like to me, it felt like an eternity, that one tiny little moment, but it was a, it was a little blip in time for you. And so I don't think you really had a second to kind of process what was actually changed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, um, anyway, he's trying to ask me all these questions in the, in that time, like small little window of time that he's sitting there at this traffic light. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be all cool and like, what's it to you kind of thing, you know? (laughs) And, but meanwhile, I'm, I'm, I'm panicking on the inside. I could see that. Because this is the per you know the person that you know really um, he changed my life and not so much for you know for the better. I mean, obviously, I am I am thriving now in my life, but uh, there was a while there where I wasn't, and and I and I you know I uh, I give all credit to him for that. But um, anyway, let's not let's not get into that again. But um, but anyway, the whole thing is just that it was a very it was a very um, defining moment for me. I think because you know, once he finally drove away and, uh, I went inside, I think my legs just about, um, you were messed up. Yeah. And my legs just about, um, collapsed underneath me and, uh, and I started swearing a lot and, um, had to kind of just swallow, swallow everything that kind of happened and just sort of move on. Cause I wasn't going to let it, uh, affect my day, you know, cause I was like, screw that if I'm going to let this person affect my day. Um, and I don't think I let it too much just in that one moment. It just kind of it threw me for a loop. Um, and then I kind of just, well, I felt terrible. Oh, well, well, I felt terrible cause I sat there and I watched it and, and well, I was, what were you gonna do? And I what was like, you do? I was like, uh, at the end, after it's over, you're like, maybe I should have gone up to the window and said like, but what did do you I do? say that? No, I no, no, no. That. I was thinking that to myself, but at the oh. same time, it was so odd because the way the traffic backed up for that car to be waiting right there in that spot. Yeah. And then to have nothing in between. Yeah, because he was in like the middle lane. The and middle there was a lane. Hole, there was a whole And there was a whole lane. lane that wasn't getting yeah, filled. I know. It was like it was something. Yeah, that was, that was fate kind of, I don't know, coming into play there. But I, I, think, I think it was a good thing. I think it was a good thing. I think it needed to happen. You know, I hadn't seen him since, you know, even long before I did the podcast with you. Um, I think it had been a year or even since I, you know, since the podcast, since I'd seen him. Um, so I think it was one of those moments that I needed to, to go through just to kind of be like, okay, you know what? I'm good. You know what? Like that was a moment. 
that sucked, but it didn't make me go like, oh, I miss him. You know, oh, he should chased after that car, you know, like it didn't make me want him again. It just actually solidified the fact that, you know, it's it's for the best that uh, that, you know, we're out of each other's lives. So. So, everyone, today we are going to talk about controlling personalities, signs of a possessive partner, uh, signs of a controlling partner, types of controlling behavior. We're going to talk about all things control today. And Raina is going to help us do everything because she's, she, she's been through some of this stuff. And we are going to uh, get on to it right now. So first, I'm going to discuss the characteristics of a controlling personality. So controlling individuals are concerned chiefly with their own interests, are immature at heart, and they are likely to restrain you from leading a satisfying life if you are closely associated associate with them, if that makes sense. And their personality has roots in troubles that deal with narcissism, that deal with antisocial behaviors, uh, stubbornness, borderline personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder, a lot of cluster B personality disorders. And a personality or possible signs of some of these personalities are someone that likes to project themselves as a hero. And a controlling personality will do that to gain attention uh, by telling exaggerated tales or overcoming battles, etc., etc. And these people secretly believe that they deserve attention and admiration. They expect compliments on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, the story always goes uh, with these people. They always need to be on the receiving end of that appreciation. And you can say the flip side of this larger than life character who is heroic would be the victim player. And the victim player also is a controlling type of personality where they use the opposite form, the victim playing as a way to control a situation. And they always want your sympathy and your empathy. So there's uh, that aspect of, of the personality where it's both sides of the coin. Uh, another thing that you might notice to someone who has a controlling personality is that they are extremely jealous. Always remember that. So uh, this person might keep asking you about the people you meet, the amount of time that you spent with them, things along those lines. Uh, another thing as a controlling personality might have a lot of are mood swings. And the problem with, you know, people with mood swings sometimes is they could be a little bit of a control freak uh, because their mood swings are persistent. And you're always having to kind of bend over backwards for those mood swings, for those tantrums, for irrational behaviors. And they're using those behaviors eventually as a way to, you know, become it become can become a controlling behavior after a while if you start to have to conform to those mood swings. Another characteristic of a controlling personality has to do with questions. And a controlling personality sometimes doesn't like getting questions asked them. They they can get frustrated when questions are actually asked to them. And the reason for that is because they like to be the one 
who is in control. So they like to be the one who is actually asking the questions because when someone is asking questions, they're steering the conversation and they're in control of where the conversation is going. So that's something that they're comfortable with. So always pay attention to that as well. And another thing with a controlling personality is the incapability of taking no for an answer. So if you were dealing with someone who does not like the word no, when it is a firm no, and they're always trying to get out of those no's, and I'm sure everyone knows a lot of them, uh, there right there is a really good sign that someone does have a controlling personality. And the only time such a person might allow you to take, uh, you know, might allow you to take your own decision is when they know it is not going to work out. And then they probably will blame you for the consequences later. There's motives when they will take uh, no for an answer, if that makes sense. And another one on the list is destructive criticism, which is the opposite of constructive criticism. Destructive criticism is just done to pull you down. And if someone does give you a compliment, this person might pull you aside and say some sarcastic remark. And when you say, hey, that person gave me like a really good compliment, why did you do that? This person in response, this controlling person response might say that that person is... Uh, just lying to you and they're being honest with you. Things along those lines. A controlling person might have a short temper as well, and that is a sign. So next we're going to go on to signs of a toxic partner who might be trying to control you. Okay. So, um, Raina, yeah. what are some signs of a toxic partner who's trying to control you? Um, well, I mean... You know, I, I'm very lucky. Let me just like backtrack a little bit in in my life. I'm very lucky that I came from a family who, um, has zero, um, signs of any narcissistic behavior. I came from a very healthy family, um, and, uh, you know, still very close with, with all my family, parents, my sister, extended family, all of that stuff. So it's just unfortunate that I happened to get myself into a situation where I was with someone who had, you know, had these characteristics. So, I'll go through the list and, and sort of in express sort of the things that I felt. Um, and before you do that, let's also give a shout out to your brother-in-law, who's one funny guy. He is one funny guy. Yeah. Yeah. Side note. Um, and not a narcissist. So, yeah. Great guy. <laughs> um, so so the way that I kind of outline it is um, somebody who kind of isolates you from a, your family, from your friends, other people in your social circle. Um, you know, constantly criticizing your actions and your overall behavior, no matter how small um, those actions might be. Um, deflecting any criticism of, of him or herself, no matter how significant that might be as well. Um, kind of getting themselves sort of like deep into prying into your private business um, while keeping his or hers so, like very strictly off limits, um, let's say. Um, that one, uh, especially the prying into your private business while keeping his or own, it, that's so, um, the, the hypo we'll get there, but it's the, the, the hypocrisy of it. I, the hypocrisy of many things gets a lot of us very angry and that one in itself right there is just, just, uh, 
blood boiling to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just back to like the criticizing, um, you know, your friends or isolating you from your friends. Like my my ex used to just shit on my friends all the time. Like, she's not a good friend to you. Like, I can't believe that she treats you this way. Like, talking about my best friend this way. And, um, you know, and I started then doubting this person, like not my ex, but my, my friend going, maybe she is not a good friend to me, you know, cause it's, it starts to seep into your brain and you start to believe it. Right. Um, uh, displaying jealous behavior is a big one. Um, accusing you of being unfaithful with little to no evidence. Um, I guess in- insisting on, you know, knowing where you are at all times, um, what you're doing at all times, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I think, I think those are sort of what come, you know, top of mind for me, um, from that question. So just, uh, uh, a little bit of a warning here, not a warning, but, uh, stipulations, one or two of these things may not mean that your partner is controlling. It's just maybe an area that they might need to work on or improve. However, if you do recognize that your partner's behavior, uh, in, many of these signs that is a red flag as a whole and that might mean that things are have escalated to emotional abuse and if you think that that's what's going on and and you can kind of be like okay all these red flags make a little bit of a pattern here about uh, what we've just said then that might be an issue for you to start to look into it further so you know, after we saw, we discussed here signs of a toxic partner who is trying to control you. Now we'll go into the types of controlling behavior. So number one here on our list here, Raina, cutting you off from your support network. What do you know about that? Um, you know, I... One of the most common and toxic signs of, of a controlling boyfriend, partner, um, whatever you want to call them, is attempting to cut you off uh, and isolate you from your family and your friends. And, you know, this kind of thing happens subtly over time. Um, maybe they express distaste for one or more of your close friends, such as what I mentioned earlier, um, suggests that you spend less time with this person. Um, that they cause tension between you and your family, uh, your family and your friends. And, and this kind of behavior sort of aims to weaken your other social ties enough so that they'll have more power over you and that you'll rely on them more, I think. Yeah. And in my experience, I was once told that my friends are boring, they're losers and things along those lines. So you start to you know, when you're with someone and they're representing themselves as being exciting and all these things that they're doing, that helps kind of shift the focus more onto what they're doing and cutting you off from everyone else. So when things do go wrong in these situations, you're further away from that group of friends and you might not have talked to them in a while. It just makes things awkward because... Part of the poisoning of the mind in these situations is, you know, once you do kind of get cut off, you start to feel guilty that you even thought these things about those other people because those are your, those are your friends. They're really good people. 
and your mind went to these places about them that aren't true and a lot of times you feel really guilty and you feel a lot of shame in the aftermath even though you never might have done anything terrible to them at all you just might have separated yourself and there's you know what happened in your mind of what was going on which brings a lot of shame and guilt into this as well but this is also a type of controlling behavior so next up on our list we have manipulation of you or or using guilt and shame to manipulate you. So a controlling person will just naturally, that's kind of a big part of their game, is to guilt you and to shame you to do what they want. So this comes in the form of guilt trips, obviously. We all know what that is. A lot of us grew up with guilt trips. And this can be done in the sense of, you know, I'm about to go out with my friends and then they pull that guilt trip to control you, to make sure, you know, that they you feel bad for them, that they might be home by themselves, even though that that is their choice. But they do these little manipulation uh, tactics like that. And that is controlling behavior. Have you ever experienced like a controlling behavior like that that they would do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like we're I, I'm we're I'm thinking back to to years ago, and so like specific instances of of this type of behavior, I feel um, like I've kind of wiped it from from my memory at this point. But I definitely remember that there were times that 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 occurred. For sure. And the classic one within the family that a lot of people hear, you only have one mother, a classic to get you to do what you want to do. And guilt and shame go hand in hand. So shame is used as a way to prompt someone to improve their behavior, but it's done in a way to kind of humiliate them. Like that's the feeling that you're getting, that you're embarrassed or you're humiliated, that you feel bad about what is going on. You know, an example of this when it comes to shame uh, can be done just easily with clothes and shaming you for dressing a specific way. And that takes away the freedom of how you are feeling. Because a lot of people express themselves through their clothes. So someone can shame you about your cl- clothes, which is a controlling behavior. And that makes you alter what you are going to wear because they make you feel bad about how you are presenting yourself. All right. So up next, we have expecting something in return for every favor. I can, you, I can speak you, to this one. Oh, you can? Oh, yeah. Oh, you go for it. Oh, yeah. Um, like when you do something selflessly for someone else that you care about, you know, you do it just because that, because you care about them. And, you know, you want to help them. Um, you you want to help them have and do um, what they need to be happy, um, to be safe, to feel comfortable. And, and those controlling partners only do favors when they think that they're getting something back from their efforts. And they use the favors that they perform as leverage uh, to get you to do what they want, but you know, usually don't inform you of this beforehand. Yeah, and the big word here is leverage. And when it comes to leverage, it's like something's always being held over your head. Well, I did this for you you have to do this for me. And it might be this one thing that is then always taken to every situation. Remember when I did that thing for you? And then in a family situation, 
there's sometimes always there's always a piece of leverage attached to something a parent might do. So a lot of the times children might be given something. Hey, I got you the thing. You didn't ask for that thing or you didn't ask for that favor, but they did it. And they always will use that as a way to dangle in front of you uh, the guilt and shame of um, expecting of that favor in return. It's used as a piece of leverage to always. So in a way it has to do with manipulation, shame and guilt, but it, it's in a different form here and it's used as a leverage. Or, or like, if you don't like, you don't love me. If you don't do this, that means you don't love me. Yeah. Up next, we have restricting your finances. And this one, everyone, is a controlling behavior. So if your partner has taken full control of your finances under the guise of helping you manage your money, but you feel like these are unnecessary restrictions to keep you from it, that might be financial abuse. Usually that is financial abuse, and it's a very common one when one partner dominates or holds the power over the other when it comes to your finances. It's a very controlling behavior, and they say that in 99% of domestic violence cases that uh, restricting your finances is part of it. So it is a really big uh, problem. This is a controlling behavior. So if, if this is happening to you, this is another sign of a type of controlling behavior. And then another one on our list is deliberately obstructing conversations. A successful and, and healthy relationship, you know, depends on, on both people being able to communicate their needs and and concerns and to feel understood and heard. And this, this give and take extends to every area of the partnership. And every once in a while, one of you might miscommunicate and that's normal. You know, I miscommunicate on a daily basis. It's just, it just happens. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, if you explain yourself and your partner's open to hearing from you, you know, it can strengthen the bond. But on the other hand, a controlling partner is, you know, is an expert at shutting down the conversation and putting up a wall so so that they can't hear you. And, you know, if you feel that your partner never listens to you or doesn't address your concerns, you know, no matter how much you repeat them um, or, you know, maybe even misunderstands you, even if even when um, you word things carefully and completely, you know, it could be a big sign of mis- uh, you know manipulation i think and this is another controlling behavior that everyone uh, i everyone experiences in these types of relationships and up next we have the silent treatment and the silent treatment is a big one uh, for everyone it is something that a lot of people don't might not take as a controlling behavior. They might look at it as this is how they react to a fight. Someone might need time and it might be confusing for people like what is, what is a silent treatment and what isn't a silent treatment. And, uh, you know, silent treatment when, uh, when you are being abused 
and you need to take a time out and not talk to the other person, you're reacting to it. You're not doing it as a form of control. You need that time to actually think about what is going on to process things. Whereas an abuser or someone who is controlling is using the silent treatment to make you react to things. The frame of mind that is going on here is done to actually control your behavior. And in many instances, when someone is giving you the silent treatment and they're in the position of power, it makes you try and reach out to them in, in a lot of different ways because they have you have, probably have them on a pedestal and you're lower than them. So you all of a sudden start crossing over a boundary line and it's a push and pull reaction here. And if you have the heroin-like addiction to someone, to the abuser who's doing this, this is a form of controlling behavior. Silent but deadly. Yeah, it is very deadly. And this is just a a form of uh, control as well. Up next on our list, we have spying on you and invading your privacy as a form of control. And this this one can actually also be not just spying on you. Um, this can also be said as, um, you know, text check-ins. You know, technology is a lot to do with this one spying on you and invading your privacy. Because this we live in a world today where this has evolved. This could just be like looking at your social media to see if you've posted a story recently. Yeah. So that they know that, okay, this person's active right now. They've been doing stuff today, and no, I can or I can see that they've been in a certain area of the city. So I know that they're active today. I know that they're doing stuff. It's one of those forms of controlling behavior that you might not even see happening, in if that makes sense, because they're able to watch your social media. They're able to kind of figure out what you've been doing, and they might be able to figure out how to talk to you um, because they're spying on you. You know what I mean? So they're collecting information, and that information will then be used in a controlling manner to kind of woo you in, uh, you know, or, or mimic what you might like. And when they're mimicking what you like, they're starting to control the conversation in the way of making you feel like they might have been seen and that you have the same interests and things like that. In today's day and age, we live in a society where that is a big problem. Um, and it is, in a way, invading your privacy as well. Uh, and then when it comes to devices, as we've once discussed uh, with each other as far as just in regular dating of what is too much what is um, too much when it comes to texting as far as um, being, uh, what's the best word, Um, intrusive or not given enough space. And there's a difference between that and then someone checking in. Where are you? What are you doing? Who are you with? All of those things start to be a controlling behavior because all of a sudden you know you're conforming it seems that it first it feels like they're disinterested in what you're doing in your life 
you know, who are you out with? What's going on? But then, but then, you know, over time that can start to change. The intention behind it starts to change. Even when you're, you're at middle of the day, you're at work. What are you doing? I'm at work. I am working. I work during the day. (laughs) Well, what are you doing at work? Like it starts to start off with little things like that where, oh, this person has interest. Who'd you go for lunch with? Yeah. Where it seems like they have interest, but in reality, it's starting to, and then it's not to say that everyone is like that. Someone, but like for a lot of different, for a lot of people that are, have controlling behavior, it starts off with those little things that you don't even notice are happening. So when bigger things do happen. And it, it's a gradual uh, process. So it's slow. I got used to the, them asking about this. So if they ask about this, it won't be as big or it doesn't seem like a giant shift. So it's like, as they say a lot, it's like the frog in the boiling water. The frog doesn't know that it's being slowly turned up until it's over. And... Up next on our list here, we have offering only conditional love as a controlling behavior. Any any comments on that? I mean, I don't think I have to define it, but I mean, in you know, most uh, most ways to define unconditional love, you know, means loving someone without any expectations or or limitations. And, you know, you love the person, not only for what's beautiful about them, but also for their, you know, their flaws, um, the dark, sometimes raw, sometimes ugly parts of that person. Um, But on the other hand, you know, conditional love means that, you know, a person only loves someone if they look or act the way that they want. And, you know, it sets a bar that you have to be reaching for to, you know, to earn their love constantly. And, you know, it allows that, that partner, the controlling partner to hold some kind of judgment over, over their partner and essentially put them, put themselves up on the pedestal. Um, and this kind of love, you know, can never, can never last. Like how could that love ever really last? And it usually, it usually goes on way longer than it should. Um, but, um, you know, usually a person who only offers conditional love was the recipient of only a type of love, you know, when they were younger that, uh, and just, you know, they, they're just repeating what they, what they remember from when they were, when they were younger. So another one on our list of controlling behaviors are ultimatum ultimatums and threats. So ultimatums and threats are big red flags of a controlling behavior, controlling personality. And in a healthy relationship, your partner will most likely, 100% likely, usually sit down, did that even make sense? But I'm saying it anyway, would sit down and talk to you when difficult issues arise. But when you're in an unhealthy, toxic relationship, your partner feels that they might need to exert control over you so they'll make threats in 
ultimatums, and that can be for your well-being, that could be to your things, your possessions, your relationships with other people, anything that you deem as valuable, they might make a threat. And that could be leaving the family, because a lot of the times when these things are threatened, they're going to go after your exact fear or desire, the thing that they think they have you with the most. So if you always wanted uh, a family with kids and you just wanted that nuclear family, the threat of divorce will be start to be a huge thing. Do you want your kids taken away from you is a big thing. Do you want this house taken away from you? Uh, those are those types of threats. Obviously, there are physical threats and there are ultimatums. If you don't stop being friends with that person, you know, this is over. And once you're hooked on someone, these threats and ultimatums become a huge way to control you. Up next, we have nitpicking. Yeah, I can, uh, I can speak to this one pretty well. Yeah. And, and you're picking criticism, but this is a, a this is a controlling behavior. So tell us about your experience. Um, yeah, healthy healthy criticism in a relationship is is fine, but uh, if your partner criticizes every move you make, then you know that's a sign of of someone who wants to have have control, and um, you know that will generally be followed by by your your partner's thoughts on what you could do better to make them happy or, or gain their approval. And um, in many situations, you know, unnecessary criticism starts at small levels and then gradually increases. And it can be tough to notice while it's happening. But, you know, in, you're in a situation where your partner seems to have negative feedback every time you turn around, then that's, that's a, that's a red flag. Yeah. And when it comes to nitpicking in, in a form of control, if I'm here in front of you here, Raina, and saying to you every single day, you know, uh, it's something as simple as like, I hate the way you dress. I hate the way you dress. I hate the way lot. you dress. I hate the way you dress. One day you might show up dressing differently and that nitpicking and that criticism caused a form of control. It was done to make me happy. And so that would stop happening. So people don't really see nitpicking as a form of, of a controlling behavior, but nitpicking has its purpose. It's done in a specific way for you to react in a way for you to conform to a situation. And it can be done sim- like from something simple as your clothes, and it can be done as, well, yeah, I re- <laughs> I'm remembering things from when I was younger. You know, certain <laughs> – I'm laughing about it now, but just I – you know, they're, they're <laughs> oh I'm not going to go into it, okay. but anyway, um, these things can be done to pressure you into doing something that this person wants to be done. And nitpicking is a way to do it. And it's an, it's happened so much that you're so sick of hearing it that you eventually conform to doing it. It's a, it's a, it's a masterful control tactic because it, it, it just drives you crazy. It's a form, it's control, but it's a torture in, in a way to be like enough, enough. It is a form of torture. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I used to get all the time, you know, like, I don't like what you're wearing today. Like, well, or you're going to wear, you're going to wear that again. Like that, that kind of stuff. And then that. Well, now, now it's, then you're also second guessing yourself and your choices. And then it's starting to erode your self-esteem at the same time. And now the last one we have on our list is double standards. And this is, uh, I think I mentioned this before, uh, it, being hypocritical and hypocrisy. And this is a form of control. And this one always boils my blood and, and gets me upset. So when you're in a relationship, double standards are tend to manifest where controlling personalities, they feel compelled to prove that they're in charge. So a controlling partner may insist on having a password to your cell phone. But on the other hand, they refuse to give you the password to their cell phone. And a controlling personality, controlling person may genuinely convince themselves that their double standards are justified, which is something we all have to deal with because sometimes these people actually believe, a lot of the time, they actually believe what they're actually saying. But it's just not uh, healthy. And healthy relationships are built on equality and trust and mutual respect. And when it comes to double standards, either everyone shows everything or, you know, your password is your password. Your password is your password. Uh, I don't have to tell you who I'm going out with. You don't have to tell me who you're going out with. It's uh, it's coming here if, when one person has to do one thing and the other person doesn't have to do the exact same thing that they're telling you that you have to do. That is a controlling behavior. I hope I explained that okay. And now, after hearing everything that we just discussed, the question comes up to what do you do if you are in a relationship or about to get into a relationship with someone who is showing these signs of this type of controlling behavior? And the first thing and the biggest thing is to set hard boundaries, And if your hard boundaries are not accepted at all, then it is time to leave this relationship or not even start this relationship to begin with when your boundaries are not respected at all. And there's a lot of you out there who are listening to this right now or in these relationships where this controlling behavior is going on currently and you are really knee deep in it and don't know how to get out. So for all of you who are listening for that, it's very confusing time for you. You're most likely trauma bonded uh, right now and you have the addiction to this person or you might have a lot of fears of what might happen uh, to what might happen to you if you leave for yourself, for your children, for your well-being, for your finances and everything like that. And the best thing to do is to reach out to your local domestic abuse or domestic violence agency to help you maneuver your way out of this situation. They'll be able to give you an advocate to help you out as well. And I think that is it for our show here today. So, Raina... I really want to thank you for doing this with me today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And giving everyone a 
uh, update on your life? <laughs> I, well, I haven't, I haven't done that to the, the fullest, but I mean, obviously I'm here, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still alive. You're still alive. Still you, alive. You're doing yeah. well. I am. Yeah. And yeah. I'm wearing one of your shirts today. You are, you know, I, um, I appreciate that you're a billboard for me. But just in all seriousness, um, you know, coming out from, you know, the situation that I had been in to where I'm at now, it's um, light years from where I was. And, uh, you know, it's because of people like Brandon and uh, other, you know, types of support systems that I have and that many people have that get them through stuff like this. So it's super important to talk about and to, to shed light on the type of behaviors that are, you know, and type of people that are around us all the time and they're a wolf in sheep's clothing a lot of the times. So just uh it's it's really great to know that there are people out there like Brandon and um you know other podcasts like it. Um and also just support groups in general or friends that that can help you get through it. So you know, I was able to get through it and so can you. So well, thank you for those kind words. <laughs> I owe you dinner. No, you don't. You do not owe me anything. Anyway, everyone, if you want to hear... Wait, you just bought me dinner. I know. That was, that was my joke. That was my joke. Sorry. Slow, I was, I was, wa- I was waiting for you to figure yeah, that one out. Wait, I forgot. Yeah, you just brought me dinner. Yep. So, everyone, if you want to hear Raina's story, I'll leave the link to her episode uh, in the description of the show. And for those of you who want to be a guest on our Survivor Story show, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. And at the top of the page, there is the button that says Guest Form. You click on that button, it takes you to a page that says guest form and it has all of our instructions on that page read all the instructions and either send us a response through our guest form or email us at narcissistapocalypse at gmail.com also at our website at narcissistapocalypse.com we have our very own safe social network so at the top of the page you can press the support group button and once you press that button, it will take you to our social network. It's our safe social network, and you can post on our forum boards. People will respond. We have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night and Saturday night and every other Thursday afternoon. We have ad-free episodes on there. We have bonus episodes on there, and it's just a group of people that are there to help you, of your peers, people that have gone through this and understand what you are dealing with. And if you just want to support the show, Join our support group at NarcissistApocalypse.com. And also, if you need more support, please do go to DomesticShelters.org. So if you or someone you know are experiencing abuse, you are not alone. DomesticShelters.org offers you an extensive library of articles and resources that can help you make sense of what you are experiencing, and they can connect you with local resources, and they can help you find ways to heal and move forward. So please do go to DomesticShelters.org to access this free resource today. And once again, I just want to thank everyone for listening, and I want want to thank Raina for being on our show and from Raina and myself we hope you have a good night